0: Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to The Creative Writer's Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 97 of The Creative Writer's Tool Belt. I'm nearly at 100 episodes of the show, and as some of you know, I plan to publish a book later this year that will distill all of the best advice and insight that I've had into just one volume. I'm working on editing the book now, and as I look back over the episodes I've done, there's one fundamental truth that keeps coming up again and again when it comes to creative writing, and it's this, be authentic. And I've come back to this issue so often that I've decided to revisit it now in an episode just to itself. So today we're going to take some time to explore this issue of being authentic in our writing, what it means and why it's so important. And of course, the usual rules apply. There'll be lots of examples. And I hope that by the end of this episode, not only will you understand what I mean by being authentic, but also you'll believe that it's important as well. And you'll have some idea about how to apply this principle to your work. So let's start with this question, what does it mean to be authentic? Well very simply authenticity is about being believable and credible. In terms of creative writing it's at the heart of the development of your story and it's also at the very core of creating compelling and believable characters. It influences the way in which setting is developed and even how you do your research. Being authentic means being true to how a story would unfold, how a character would behave. It doesn't mean that what you say absolutely has to have happened, but it does mean that the reader has to believe that it could happen. Now, I'm a big fan of The School of Life, which is an organization that promotes emotional intelligence and helps people understand themselves and the world around them. You can find out more about them at theschooloflife.com. And in a recent episode on their YouTube channel, they tackled the thorny social question of how not to be boring. And they argue that the secret to not being boring lies in being able to speak honestly, especially about what we desire, what we're passionate about. In that episode, they say this, and I quote, The human animal, witnessed in its essence, with honesty and without artifice, is always interesting. When we call a person boring, we're just pointing to someone who has not had the courage or concentration to tell us what it's like to be them. By contrast, we invariably prove compelling when we say what we truly desire, envy, regret, mourn, or dream. Now there's a crucial lesson here for all of us as writers, especially in the way in which we present our characters and how they interact with each other, because although the quote that I've just read you is supposed to be applied to real life, it's also completely applicable to the creation of excellent stories and compelling characters. And I believe that if we can present characters who are honest, especially about their deepest goals and motivations and passions, then we'll go a long way to achieving our goal of creating excellent stories. This doesn't mean that these characters have to reveal these things completely to each other, although in some instances they will certainly do that, does mean that they have to present their passion and honesty to the reader. It's in the presentation of a compelling and authentic story populated by compelling and authentic characters that we capture the reader. The editor and creative writing tutor Saul Stein said that the job of the writer is to, and I quote, provide the reader with an experience that is superior to the experiences that they encounter in everyday life. Now this advice helps us to dispense with all the wrong reasons to become a writer, namely to make money, to promote a cause, to become famous. These are all subsidiary objectives and they might be very worthy, but they're not the primary objective for writing. Our primary task is to entertain, to inform, to inspire, to enthrall the reader. And so to provide them, as Solstein Stein would say, with a superior experience to that which they're experiencing in real life. As readers, we won't be interested in a story unless we care about, or are at least intrigued by, the characters and their context, the story and the setting. And the best way to get a reader interested in a character and a story is to make everything you're doing authentic. Now to give you an idea of what I mean by authentic, I want to give you just two examples. Forget for a moment about creative writing completely and instead just observe how you react to the characters involved and the believability of their actions in these next two examples. First of all, let's consider Frodo at Mount Doom. In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, Frodo journeys hundreds of miles to throw the ring into the cracks of doom. We've been with him in a journey that has involved life-threatening situations, betrayal, loss, and pain. And at the last moment, when victory over Sauron is within his grasp, when all Frodo has to do is to throw the ring into the cracks of doom, what does he do? He tries to keep the ring for himself. Now we know that the right thing for Frodo to do would be to chuck that ring into the lava and be done with it. We know this, Frodo knows this as well, and we know that he's aware of it, but we also understand his circumstances and the power that the ring can exert over anyone, especially him. Given all of this, Frodo's reaction is actually believable. The context In which it happens means that this is an authentic reaction. Imagine for a moment what Frodo is like and how he's feeling. He's tired. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's weary. He is at the end of everything. The ring has been a weight on him in all senses for weeks and weeks and weeks. He is exhausted. He comes to the end of his journey and he just gives up. And we believe in it. We believe that it is possible. That that could be the case, and it's because his reaction is authentic that we are all the more drawn into the story and the drama of that final act by the edge of Mount Doom. Here's another example taken from the Bible. The first book of Kings in the Old Testament tells us the story of how King Solomon settled a dispute between two women who were arguing over which of them was the mother of a baby. Both women claimed the baby for themselves. It was clear that one was lying and one was telling the truth. As the women argued over the custody of the child, Solomon deals with the situation by asking one of his attendants to bring a sword. He is proposing to cut the child in half so that each woman can have half each. As soon as he says this, one of the women relinquishes her right to the child. She says, let this other woman take the child. And Solomon picks up the child and gives her, the woman who's relinquished her rights, the child because he has realised, as we do as we read it, that of course she is the mother. She would rather face the pain of losing the child to another woman than for her baby to lose his life. Now whether this story is true or not is actually irrelevant to the point. The point is that it feels authentic. We understand how Solomon could have discerned what was going on here. We understand the reaction of the women involved. We can believe that a mother would give up her baby to another rather than see him killed, that her love would cause her to relinquish him. This is an authentic response to the situation, and it's what makes the story compelling. The authentic story is the compelling and interesting story, just as the authentic person is the compelling and interesting person in life. And it is this authenticity that we should strive for, not just in character, but in all of the dimensions of our work. And I'll be honest with you, Attaining this authenticity is hard work. It requires an effort of imagination and an effort of application to the craft. But it is, I think, the single biggest factor in producing a compelling and successful story. The hard work is worth it, especially if we can present a story in which the resolution is not easy to guess in advance but which, once revealed, seems perfectly reasonable to the reader. And this, of course, is the objective of people who write mystery and police procedurals, but it's also something that all writers in all genres should aspire to. And this aspiration for story is not new. It was identified by none other than Aristotle when he said something like this, a good plot has a beginning, which connects to a middle, which connects to an end. The element of the plot should all tie together and the best plots contain elements that might surprise the reader initially, but which on reflection seem inevitable and understandable. Now that advice is as sound today as it was when it was first written or spoken by Aristotle 2,300 years ago. So if the case for being authentic is proved, this leads us to the next question. How can we be authentic in our work? Well, here are some tools and techniques that you can use to test and discover just how authentic your storyline is. First of all, discover the dinosaur. In his book, On Writing a Memoir of the Craft, Stephen King likens story development to the work of the archaeologist unearthing a fossil. Now King says this, I believe stories are found things, like fossils in the ground. To get even most of it, the shovel must give way to more delicate tools, the air hose, the palm pick, perhaps even the toothbrush. Stephen King argues that the story is like a fossil, maybe of a dinosaur or something like that, and it's fully formed in the earth, just waiting to be excavated. Our job as writers is to dig it out as carefully and perfectly as possible to preserve its integrity. If we're lazy or careless, we'll damage the story and not be able to present it in its authentic state. Now, I like this concept because it seems real to me. I can believe that there is a perfect way to tell a story, and it's our job as writers to find that perfect way or as near to it as possible. Moreover, it's often the tiny details, the sparse and specific details as I call them, that really make a story. If we're going to get to these, using King's analogy, we'll need the most delicate instruments. If we're clumsy or lazy with the story, we'll still get the story out, just as if we could unearth a fossil if we only used a digger and a shovel, but it would be damaged. It would be less than it would otherwise be. So for example, Again, if we come back to The Lord of the Rings, that story would be less of a story if Frodo had simply taken the ring, marched up to the edge of the cracks of doom, thrown it in without hesitation, and then gone home with Sam. It's more realistic, more authentic, more complicated, more nuanced, and a better story because Tolkien chose to explore Frodo's fragility, his exhaustion. And I'm sure it took Tolkien imagination and hard work to come to that. And this brings us to the next point. Don't be satisfied. All of this points to the need for us as writers to not be satisfied too easily. We need to dig deep to find the authenticity in our stories. It won't do to come up with a convenient, easy answer. The real story has to be teased out and not sacrificed to any other consideration. Which brings us to the third point. Story versus preaching the story might suffer, not because we don't have the will to make the effort to find the real details, but because those real details, the best story, might not fit the agenda we have. If our primary goal is not to write an excellent story, but rather to make a political or religious point perhaps, then these objectives, the message we want to convey versus the quality of the story, will come into conflict. And I'll be honest with you, stories about how evil the rich elites or the big corporations are, or how terrible the government is, just on their own, those stories bore me. A story that simply relies on a well-worn idea is not a great story. It's not the real story. Or a story about some bad guy who suddenly finds God. If I'm gonna believe that, I want to know how he finds his way to God. The writer must persuade me that somehow the faith experiences of this person are enough to fundamentally change them. It is not simply good enough for us to present our cause, our idea, our doctrine, our ideology, and to call it a story. Now this is not to say that your story shouldn't have a moral. If you want to write a story about corporate greed, then do so. If you want to write a story with a strong faith element, then write that. But do the work to create an authentic story within the bounds of your moral, within the bounds of the message that you want to get so that your story is that much better and that much more powerful. And a great deal of this depends on the writer knowing their characters well and presenting them in a way in the story that the reader will find believable. So the next tactic or technique is to look at this issue of knowing your characters and using this as a tool to help with the authenticity of the story. And there are, of course, lots of techniques and resources around to help you know who your characters are. There are resources on the internet that will help you. There are books that will help you. You can find things that will help you describe the physical details of your character. You can ask them a hundred questions or even a thousand questions about themselves. You can interview your characters. You can even cast your characters for the story. So writers like C.M. Weiland and Brandon Sanderson talk about casting their characters for the story as a director might cast actors for a role. You literally audition them. You make them audition for the role and in the process you learn who they are. They might even fail the audition and you can get rid of that character or perhaps change them in some way so that you can have a character that will become successful in the story. The fifth technique or tool, test the ideas with others. Getting appropriate help from others is always useful. You can take on the role of the character and be interviewed by someone else, and that will help you to understand better who the character might be. You can send your writing, of course, to people you know or writing group members, snippets of dialogue or interaction between characters to see how authentic that interaction and those characters and that story really are. So let's summarize where we've got to. If you can only get one thing right in your story, Make the story authentic. Make the storyline credible. Make the characters believable. Don't give in to laziness, and don't try and subvert your story with a particular cause. Write the best story that you can. And to help you do this, you can think of discovering the story as unearthing a fossil. Do it with care. Retain the real story as you proceed. And don't be satisfied with the easy or obvious answer. Look for the more difficult, but more honest and nuanced and fascinating conclusions. In the process, don't sacrifice the story to promote your cause. Write a story with a moral, by all means, but do the work to make it authentic. And it will help greatly if you know who your characters are. So get to know them well. Interview them, describe them, audition them, present them to other people. Finally... Test all of your ideas then with others, the characters and the storyline, every dimension of your work. It's easy for us authors to get too close to our own work and for us to lose perspective. So the opinion of reliable friends or writing partners is a valuable asset. So being authentic is hard. It requires imagination, it requires work and it requires not giving in to the easy answer, to the orderly setting, the safe solution. Don't be too polite. Give your characters passion, make their dilemmas painful, make the choices real, make what happens in the story matter. That's what's going to capture your reader, and that's what's going to make your story great. So I hope all of this has been useful to you today, and in this episode I have quoted from the School of Life YouTube channel at theschooloflife.com, Solutions for Writers by Saul Stein, published by Souvenir Press, The Teachings of Aristotle, and On Writing A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King, published by New English Library. Now, in this episode, I've mentioned the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook, which I will be publishing in October of this year. But don't forget that you can get a copy of the Highlights ebook, which is a summary of some of those points that I'm going to be covering in the handbook. And you can get that right now for free. Just drop me an email, andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com, and ask for a copy. I'll send it to you that's it for this episode. The next episode, number 98, will be an interview with Canadian writers Derek Kunskin and Marie Bilodeau. Now, both Derek and Marie have appeared on the show in the past. And in this episode, we talk about how we should look after ourselves as writers, how we should relate to other writers and the kind of mental attitude that we need to develop and succeed as writers. That'll be out next week. But until then, thank you again for listening and goodbye.